I want to speak to you on the thought there, verse 6, lack of knowledge. Uh, I came across an interesting little story that I, I want to share with you. And it uh, says it's a true story, but uh, it uh, brings out the message, I think, and illustrates kind of a comical story. Uh, it talks about this uh, lady who placed this bowl of cream on the cupboard shelf uh, to be churned the next day. Some of you are old enough to know what, what I'm talking about, what they're talking about here. I remember my grandmother uh, had a churn, and uh, she had sent me there with that, uh, you know, to churn that butter. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I did wrong, but I just beat and beat, and I never could get any butter. But uh, she had a way of turning that uh, dasher, is that what it was called, uh, to bring that, to keep everything moving, I guess, in the right way. But anyway, this lady did this, the story goes, and during the night, a mouse fell into the cream and drowned, and she uh, discovered this the next day, but she could not bring herself to throw all that cream away. So she simply took the mouse out of the cream, churned the cream and made the butter and, and formed the butter. She went to our neighborhood grocery store and said, I would like to exchange this butter for an equal amount of butter. And she explained uh, why, she, of course the grocer was puzzled, uh, why she would want to do that, so she explained to him. Uh, that, uh, you know, why she wanted to do it. And, uh, you know, said, uh, I cannot bring myself, because I know what happened, I cannot bring myself to eat this butter. But what you don't know won't hurt you. Those that bite, they won't know that a mouse fell in it, and they'll just eat it and enjoy it. So the grocer said, well, I, I'm glad to oblige you. I'll, uh, I'll do that. So he took the butter went back in the back room, took the butter, put it in a different mold and formed it into a different mold, brought it back and returned it to the lady. She accepted it and happily went away. <laughs> the uh, clerk there, of course, was curious and, uh, uh, you know, uh, watching the whole procedure, he said, well, I just took her advice. What you don't know can't hurt you. She didn't know she was getting the same butter back, did she? Well, uh, is that true? No, that's not true. It may sound nice, uh, but it certainly is not true. I was thinking about Miss McKinney on a more serious note. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to me how a person can be so sick. And I don't know, cancer seems like it uh, can disguise itself and, and it can be so advanced before the doctors are able to detect it. And I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not blaming the doctors. I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I don't understand all that's involved in that. And why sometimes uh, they said that uh, the cancer was as large as a volleyball. Now, you would think that uh, that that would be easily discovered, and, and evidently it was not uh, uh, for whatever reason. 
But, uh, you know, as far as health and, and, uh, and whatever, what you don't know can hurt you. A lack of knowledge can definitely uh, hurt you. Uh, B.R. Lakin said if he knew where he was going to die, he'd never go there. Well, he did die, and of course he's been in heaven. But uh, anyway, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And he said, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Now, why did they have a lack of knowledge? It was not that they could not know, but he says they rejected knowledge. They rejected it. They had an opportunity to know, but they rejected it. And the Lord says, because you've rejected knowledge, you've rejected me, then I'm going to reject you. And then he says, goes on in the verse further and says, See, and thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I was thinking about that. That, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't use the knowledge that you have, you forget it. Do you ever notice about that? Things that you do every day, you don't forget those things. But if you don't use something you tend to forget it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, so he said, Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Now, I'd like for us to look at this in, in relation to some areas, and first of all, in relation to the Scriptures. Again, he says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In John 5, 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. There's no way to be successful as a Christian and ignore the Word of God. I mean, that's just plain and simple. You quit eating physically, and you're going to be in trouble. Uh, one thing uh, about cancer, uh, one of the telltale signs about it is uh, you lose your appetite, at least when it gets to a certain advanced point. Uh, you don't want anything to eat. My sister, of course, died with cancer as well as my mother. But uh, uh, the only thing she wanted there toward the end was something sour. Uh, pickle beans. I, I don't like pickle beans and never have. Uh, I don't like anything that's soured. Uh, but that's what she wanted. She could not stand something sweet or, or could not stand even to smell food cooking. But uh, if you lose your appetite physically and you don't eat for a few days, it's going to tell on you. And if you lose your appetite spiritually, it's going to tell too. And uh, if you want, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now we're told in 1 Timothy 4.13 that we're to read the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, we're to study the Scriptures. Not just read the scripture, but study. Study to show, thy, show thyself approved unto God. And we're going to work on that need not to be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of truth. There's a difference between reading and studying, but we're all told to read. He said, give attendance to reading in Timothy there. And then he said, study, study. And the Bible says, much study is a weariness of the flesh. Study is hard work. You study all day. And you'll be tireder than if you went out and, you know, did manual labor all day. I've done both, I know. It, it, it's tiresome. But we're told to study. 
They not only study, but to meditate. First Timothy 4.15, he says, Meditate upon these things. In Psalm 1, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word meditate has the idea of a, a, a cow chewing the cud. Cow has three stomachs. You know, some people look like they've got three. Uh, but uh, cow has three stomachs. They eat, they eat the food and swallow it whole. Then they go out and lay under the shade tree and, and uh, they belch it up and chew it. Now, that, that doesn't sound very appetizing to you and I, but a cow enjoys that. Uh, and if you was a cow, you'd like it. But the cow... Choose the good. And that's the idea that we have expressed there uh, in the Word of God. We're to meditate upon the Scripture. We're to think about it. We're to chew the good. We're to read the Word of God. We're to study the Word of God. And then we're to think about it. You come to the end of the day and look back and evaluate that day. How much time have you spent that day meditating? If there's probably one thing I think that's, that's, that's caused us to become cold and dry spiritually, one thing I think more than anything else that I could, that I could think of is the matter of meditation. We're so busy, most of us, that we don't have time to think. You know what the word... The word uh, uh, muse, M-U-S-E, means to think. You may not be familiar with that word, but you are familiar with the word amuse. Ah, of course, means no. Amusement. You know what amusement's for? Keep you from thinking. You don't have to think at all. You know, you sit down and watch television, you don't have to think at all. Amusement is primarily for the purpose of not thinking. Now, there are you know, educational programs that, that are beneficial and helpful. But uh, a lot of it is disamusement to keep a person from thinking. Years ago, the houses had, uh, had porches. Now, we've got a porch on our house, a small one, narrow one, that's never, ever used. I have a deck on the back of my house. Don't ever use it. <laughs> uh... And, uh, but you know what that says about society? Years ago, the, the old houses, they'd have porch around uh, th three sides. You some were all the way around the house, porches. Covered porches. Had a roof on it. We build a deck now. Usually don't put a roof on it. And uh, years ago, to go uh, drive through a community, I mean, it was common. It was common in the evenings to see people sitting out on the porch. That was, that was normal. Try it now. People have porches, don't use porches. New houses that are built don't have porches. may have a little landing, you know, where you can stand there if you knock on the door and wait. But the porches are not used. And the porches were a place where neighbors came in, people sit around and talked, and if, if there was any neighbors, there was a rocking chair or something there, and in the evening, people would go out and sit in the rocking chair, and they had time to think. 
But people don't do that now. When they, in the evening, when they get ready, they sit out in front of the television and stay there till time to go to bed. And there's not much thinking. A lack of knowledge. We need to meditate on the Scripture. Didn't mean to get off on all that. We need to memorize the Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That involves memorizing the Scripture. How are you going to hide in your heart? Now you can't pull your heart out and write it on there, you know. Of course, that's not talking about the literal uh, heart organ anyway. But we're to memorize the Scripture. We're to live the Scriptures, James 1, 22. We're not just to hear the Word of God, but we're to obey the Word of God. We're to live by what we read. We're to be changed by it. Now the book of uh, Amos, I want to read a couple of verses there. The book of Amos, chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water. The notice what he says, But of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Now, he didn't say there would be a family to preach it. Plenty of preaching now. Not much hearing. There would be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. And I believe we're there. There's a lack of knowledge regarding the scriptures. Not only that, let me move on. There's a lack of knowledge regarding salvation. People don't know how to be saved. You say, everybody in McDowell County knows how to be saved. I challenge you to knock on some doors and find out. I was uh, in a revival meeting up in Virginia some years ago. And, and I was preaching on, uh, I can't remember what I was preaching at the time that night but, or that week, but I knew I was going to be bringing this message. So I decided I, I'm a new in town. Nobody knows me. I don't know anybody. I didn't know the preacher there, but that was, that was it. And I decided to do a survey. I got the phone book and just at random, went down the phone book and, and uh, just started calling people. And I asked them, I told them I was doing a survey, which I was, personal survey. And, and I asked them this question. Uh, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly how I may have worded it, but what does a person have to do to go to heaven? Something along those, that line. And you would not believe the answers that I got. Some did not know. They could not tell me how. If I had been, I mean, a lost sinner and had a, had a real desire uh, to know how to go to heaven, I'd have been in trouble. Uh, I received all kinds of answers. One man, he says, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, man, that is great. This man knows how to get to heaven. I followed it up. I said, is that all you have to do? He said, oh, no, no, that's not all. But I want to say to you this morning, that is all. <laughs> I'm talking about being saved. I'm not talking about service for Christ. I'm talking about being saved. 
That is all. That's all a person can do. That's all we have to do is receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I was shocked. I would say if you did a similar survey in this county, it would shock you. People have a lack of knowledge on how to go to heaven. Now the Bible, the Bible tells us how to go to heaven. We have the person of salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Salvation is in a person. There is, we talk about the plan of salvation. The Father planned it, the Son provided it, the Holy Spirit presents it. But basically salvation is in a person. 1 John 5 said, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you have Jesus this morning, you'll go to heaven. If you don't have Jesus, you won't. Now that's very simple, but it's very profound. He's the person of salvation, the price of salvation, 1 Peter 1. It doesn't cost us nothing, but it cost him everything. It cost him his life. 1 Peter says we're redeemed not with crutchable things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb without blemish and without spot. Is there a price of salvation? Yes. But I don't have to pay it. He paid it. The blood of Christ. The power of salvation. Romans 1, 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The promise of salvation, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there's a lack of knowledge regarding salvation. Then there's a lack of knowledge regarding our service for Christ. A lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We should live with eternity in mind. Now, if you're a child of God this morning, you're saved by God's grace. Nothing, nothing can take that away from you. But you can lose your rewards. I can lose my rewards. The Bible tells us in Colossians 2.18, let no man beguile you of your reward. Second John verse 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. We ought, we ought to want a full reward. Don't let anyone beguile us. Don't let anyone steal our rewards. That's what he tells us. Our service for Christ. 1 Timothy 4 eight said, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. It pays to serve God, don't it? You know, I've never had anyone, when you come to the end of the journey... I've never had anyone yet say, I'm sorry, I live for God. But I've had different ones say, I'm sorry, I didn't. No one ever regrets salvation on their deathbed. No matter ever regrets living for Christ and serving Him. Brother Jerry is promoting Sunday school. If we had our eyes on eternity... We couldn't keep people away from Sunday school and Sunday night and Wednesday night and soul winning. You could come by here on Thursday night and you could find out how, uh, how sold out folks are to 
trying to win people to Christ. There's a lack of knowledge of uh, the importance of it. That's what I'm trying to do here is trying to, you know, give some knowledge, some understanding that uh, would uh, affect our, our life and, and our eternity. Then I want to move on and I want to talk about uh, uh, Satan just for a moment. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. I want to tell you, we've got an enemy. And he's out. He's out to do. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He's out to destroy us. He don't want, to, he, he don't want us to, to know. You know, a lot of, lot of problems come because uh, of a lack of knowledge. Uh, you know, they, they say that... Uh, that uh, Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Let's say you go down the road here and, you know, you're doing, uh, and sometimes it's, you know, it's hard. The, the, the speed limit changes back and forth on the interstate if they're working on it. And, and uh, uh, you know, you, uh, uh, you, you don't realize. Well, let me give you just a personal illustration. I was visiting the hospital in, old, uh, in, in, in uh, Asheville, uh, not not too long ago, and uh, and I and I coming back and uh, uh, it was at night and uh, and I was coming in Old Fort and uh, uh, the Old Fort policeman pulled me over and stopped me. First time I'd even I had even had my license checked in years, uh, and uh, he says, uh, "Do you know how fast you was going?" Or something? Yes, I think first of all see my license and whatever. And, and uh, I, I said, no, I'm not sure exactly how fast I was going. He, he, I think he said I was doing 54. He said, you realize that's a 35-mile-per-hour speed zone? I said, no, sir, I, I sure didn't. I know now. <laughs> but but I, I honestly didn't know. And he said, it is. He said, when you, and, and you know, almost everybody I've spoken to and, and you know, talked about it, I said, do you realize when you come exit interstate and you come back across 40 there and cross the bridge, it's 35. Uh, which I have, I disagree with that, but, you know, that's, you know, I'm not in a position to make those decisions, so don't make a difference why I disagree with it or not. They can care less. But uh, uh, it's 35. Everybody I've spoken to, they said, you, you're kidding. I said, I'm not kidding. You, 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 there's a sign there. In fact, you don't see the sign, that's too bad, but it is there. I checked it later, it is there. I didn't see it that night, but I saw it later. And uh, uh, he said, uh, he said, I'm, I'm just going to give you a warning. Oh, I could have hugged his neck, you know. <laughs> I said, I appreciate that. He, sa he said, if you'll slow down, I said, I will. And, and I honestly have tried since then. <laughs> Uh, you know, to be observant of that and to do what I said I would do. But uh, uh, the point is, I thought it was 55 till you got down to the other bridge, but it is not. Now, he could have given me a ticket. He was kind, and he had every right. I broke the law. He had every right to give me a ticket, but he didn't. 
But the fact I was ignorant, the fact I didn't see the sign, the fact I thought it was 55, did not change the fact it was 35. And if it was 35, he could have given me a ticket regardless of what I thought. Ignorance is no excuse. And I don't think people will be able to stand before God one day and plead ignorance. He's given us a book. It's got all the laws in there. We can't plead ignorance. In fact, we lay, lay over and collect dust and didn't read it. That's not his fault. That's ours. It's in there. And the devil, he wants to keep us ignorant. He wants to keep us out of this book. He wants to keep us out of church. He wants to keep us in the world. He wants to, he wants to withhold knowledge. But Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. The only way to keep from being ignorant of his devices is to learn about it. And this book talks about that rascal. <laughs> and that's, that's being a little kind. He's worse than that. He, we're not ignorant of his devices. Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the trickery of the devil. 1 Timothy 3, 6 talks about qualification there for a servant of God, a preacher of the gospel, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall in the condemnation of the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished uh, in, in your brethren. Now let me quickly move to my, I want to get in this last point, and that is the signs of the times. I want you to turn to Matthew, if you would please, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And uh, verse number uh, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Now, we're, that's where we're at. The days of Noah. They were carrying on business. Noah had preached, the flood's coming, the flood's coming, the flood's coming. And listen, they kept right on going until the very day. It says there that Noah entered into the ark. And to be honest about it, the majority of people today are living their life as if the coming of the Lord would never happen up to the very day. The point I wanted to make, though, is in verse 39. Notice what it says. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. They knew not. A lack of knowledge destroyed them. The fact they didn't know, that keep them from drowning? No. They knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And here we are, we're 1997, away from the year 2000, just three years. And we're right in the last pages of man's history, 
I believe, upon this earth on the dispensation of grace. And the signs, God's writing the signs everywhere. And mankind just goes on his normal pathway and gives very little thought to eternity. They knew not until the flood came and took them all away. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. May God give us knowledge, and I don't have time to go into the various things that are happening in the world that makes me know the coming of the Lord has to be near. He says, when you see these things happen, know that it is near even at the doors. His coming is near. This is the generation, folks. Matthew 24 tells us this is the generation. Don't know exactly when, but sometime soon we're heading out of here. I hope it's in the rapture. <laughs> I don't cherish going by way of death primarily because of the things that many times lead up to that. I don't think there's anything about death that we need to be worried about as Julie expressed in the poem there. All death can do now is open the door and let the saints go home. That's all death can do. But the old disease and all that that goes with, it's not pleasant to think about, is it? So I'd sure like to go in the rapture. <laughs> and I think there's a good possibility that we'll be able to do that. But we don't need to be in darkness and blinded. And, and we need to look at this world situation and know that we're just about out of time. And Jesus is coming soon. Let's bow our heads, please.